Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Ben Ivey. He is one of the world's leading authorities in the entrepreneur lifestyle, a global speaker. He's spoken at over 200 events internationally. He is the CEO and founder of the Entrepreneur Lifestyle, helping overwhelmed entrepreneurs become more efficient and boost business success. Welcome to the show, Ben. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to connect again. How'd you become an entrepreneur? How'd you just decide to break out of the mold? Why aren't you working at uh, the local phone company? Sure. Well, I I think I started pretty young. When I was about 13, I started selling chocolate in my school. And unfortunately, my uh, business got shut down because we we, we had these uh, little Freddos. I'm not sure if you have them in the US. They're these like tiny little chocolate uh, chocolate bars, kind of like a frog. And I was selling them uh, for about double what, what they're usually worth. And unfortunately, when 10 peas and 20 peas fell out my locker, uh, one of the teachers shut that down. So I knew I wasn't going to fit into the mold from a, from a pretty young age. That's funny. So you're so okay. So, so you have a history of overcharging. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so you had the spirit as a very young person. And then what was uh, what was your greatest hit? What really brought you out? You know, when you became an adult, you're in the world. What was your first foray into business in this world? Did you were you right off the bat an entrepreneur? Did you work for other people in the corporate style? Sure. So I started my first business when I was at university. I was doing an import-export business. I was selling um, bags uh, in and around the UK, importing them from Pakistan. And then I moved into my second venture, which was uh, a virtual reality company. And we're based out of Silicon Valley. I had a team internationally. And then I ended up uh, losing my father to suicide, which completely uh, turned my life full tilt. And I, I quit my business and really started to search as to why do people do what we do? And why is it that entrepreneurs can often be successful, but really lack uh, a lot of meaning in their life and, and really go downhill? So uh, so what are the pitfalls there? What, what is it about entrepreneurs specifically that you feel they might be missing this other element or they're lacking something else in this? Sure. Yeah. Well, ultimately, when we look into entrepreneurship, what tends to happen is the more successful you become, often you feel more and more isolated. And it's obviously incredibly challenging when you're starting out, when you're wearing a gazillion hats, uh, attempting to build a business. I I literally just got off the phone uh, about an hour ago with with a lady who's a single mom building her business. And and once again, feeling overwhelmed because there's so many different things you can do in your business, especially when we have this information overload that we have online, yet so often we're starving of the wisdom that actually helps us move forward to build a sustainable business. All right, what are some specific pitfalls and mindset, things you've heard, the things you've heard out of the mouth of entrepreneurs where you're like, ah, ah, caught it. Sure. Well, I, I think a, a big one that, that is actually quite common is overgiving and people pleasing. I see a lot of entrepreneurs tripping themselves up when they are people that just give and they, they give to such an extent, but they don't have that business mindset. So very often they burn out in the process because they're attempting to make a business their hobby and they're really unsure from a financial aspect of exactly what to do. Another big pitfall that I see is an externally linked identity. And what I mean by this is that entrepreneurs tie themselves to their business. And what happens is as the value of the business goes up, 
very often they feel great. But when we hit a roller coaster and there are challenges here and there, what tends to happen is their value and their self-worth goes down with the business. And very often that can cause people to feel extremely challenged and really unsure where to turn. What uh, what are things that you identified in yourself? Are they similar or as you were going throughout this process? I mean, how did you, was it external seeing other people or was it things you noticed in your own behaviors and actions that you thought, you know what, I may have to do this another way? Sure. I, I think that it's a combination. I think that anyone that starts on, on a journey very often overcomes the challenges themselves. And uh, what I found is that there's there's a few common ones, which uh, I saw in myself, especially from the beginning. Uh, one of the ones was over-controlling behavior, attempting to uh, you know, control everything in the business, not being able to trust people fully. And that definitely tripped me up. And I think that combined with being a perfectionist, attempting to get everything perfect, I think is really challenging. Uh, I, an example of this is I had a guy come to me last year and uh, he reached out, uh, his name's Alex, and he said, Ben, I see how you do marketing online. I'd love to be able to market. That's what I really need in my business. Now, I'm not a marketing expert, but I took the call anyway because I think it's important to you know, understand people's positions. I mean, in the first five minutes, I figure out it's not marketing that he needs. The, the challenge that he has there is being a perfectionist. He's running uh, a software company, attempting to build it up. He's got a team of 12, but he's doing 16-hour days and attempting to get everything perfect, which is important when you're coding something. But when you attempt to do other areas of your business and you apply the same strategies, it led to him you know, feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, and really having no idea what to do. But when we overcome these blocks, and for him, when he started to overcome perfectionism, over-controlling and managed to let go of certain aspects of his business, he ended up, you know, 10xing last year. And it's, and it's those sorts of things that I think is amazing to be able to really move yourself forward when you overcome some of these blocks that we have. Let's talk about perfectionism because that is a self-sabotage situation. It's uh, on the other side of procrastination is perfectionism. They both can be sort of interchangeable there, Iran. And, um, you know, it's interesting because that's a, that is a common thing where people are like, well, I just need to get like five more certifications. I just need to like go do this one thing. I just, and they keep doing everything to try to make the circumstances perfect. And then they never shoot the video or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, and I'm out here telling everyone, look, I mean, look, look, I mean, despite the fact that I have years of performance experience and things like that, there are moments when, you know, not every video is perfect. Not every, every interview is awesome. You know, like you just, you have to get the information out there because only when you start doing it, can you start to self-correct and go, Oh, I need to do more of that. I need to do more of that, but you have to start somewhere. Or you're never, you're never getting the momentum. So perfectionism can can be an uh, absolute form of procrastination and self-sabotage, uh, right? Uh, can sabotage future success. And then something else you said I want to highlight too is it's difficult for a lot of entrepreneurs to be delegators. And I understand that. It's like you have control of your old business you've created and it's hard to trust somebody to get it right the way you're going to do it. Right. So obviously proper hiring and vetting is necessary to make sure you do yes. have the right person. But at the end of the day, that's the biggest challenge. Um, what I've noticed at, uh, you know, at, at Primal Kitchen, Primal Blueprint, where I've worked for many years for Mark. And, you know, one of the things uh, I think I, I admire so much about his uh, leading style is he's not a micromanager. You know, he wasn't even when he was fully involved every, you know, second of the day in the company. He trusted us. You know, there was 
unless something went awry, it was like, you got it. I got you. You're good. I'm, you know what I mean? And, and that was, that's always so nice. It's, it's a testament to hiring the right people who are proactive and can step up and that you do trust. And it also says a lot about him, you know, no one wants to be micromanaged. We want to be trusted as employees and things like that and stepping up. So sometimes it might take a minute. And if someone, if you're out there and it's hard to delegate, you might tell the person you've hired, hey, look, I'm going to kind of double check on your stuff for the next couple of months at first before I get comfortable with this whole process of sort of just like letting it go. I hope you don't think I'm micromanaging. I hope you understand. I just kind of want to be, you know, it's my thing. That that could be a conversation worth having. Yeah, most certainly. And I think that being able to move your way in slowly is important. But I think the biggest challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs face is that instead of hiring A players, they're looking to you know, hire a little bit cheaper online and they end up hiring B and C players. And that's really where the challenge comes in because they're not performing at the level you want them to. And how can you, you know, best move your business forward if you can't trust the people that you're working with? And I think that certainly be able to clarify who you need and the skills that they need to have is very important when you're, when you're running your business so that you can get the right people in the positions that they need to be. What do you love about being an entrepreneur? I think what I enjoy most is the freedom to be able to design your own lifestyle. And it's something that I speak about a fair amount. And obviously, you know, this year is a, is a little bit different to to what most people are used to, given the fact that we're, we're pretty much no all one grounded. Motherfucker, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, you know, the start of there this year. There was a mistake out. in that design, for sure. <laughs> yeah, most certainly. I mean, I, I was really excited at the start of this year. I was, I was going out to China again. I was doing my usual speaking gigs. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, everything uh, you know, backfires and I'm you know, grounded here in the UK, which, yeah, nothing wrong. It's getting a little chilly now. I do prefer uh, being at LA around this time of year. But I think that ultimately, when we take a step back and we look at the broad picture, it's it's figuring out how to design your life in a way that really sets you up to success and having your business support you with that as a vehicle to live a great lifestyle. And I see people you know, time and time again talk to me about entrepreneurship and it's that vehicle for what they want, be it time freedom, be it financial freedom, be it being able to have more control over their day and, and do what it is that they desire. And I think that being able to yeah, really think about that is, uh, is, inc- is an incredibly important thing to be able to do. Let's talk about uh, mindset here. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I was forced into what I'm about to say, which is I know a lot of entrepreneurs are sometimes get so caught up in all of the details, which you have to be, I get it, I get it. But I guess just hear me out. What I'm saying is, is they get so caught up they're go, go, go. They don't ever take the time, right? Sometimes they lose the mindset part. They're in the action, right? And, and I think that that's a balance entrepreneurs have to take. We have to like step away and go, hold on. I need to take time to manifest, to intend, to write the goal list, to do these mindset things that are going to help me. And sometimes in go, go, go mode, even with me, when I'm busy and I'm going, then I'm like, Ooh, I forgot to do my morning. Thought. Damn it. You know, th- th- those kind of things come up. How important is mindset? And what do you suggest to entrepreneurs when you see that like they're lacking in that part, like they're all action? I think it's a delicate balance. I think that uh, a lot of people are incredibly action orientated. And obviously, as you mentioned yourself, you're you're totally for action. I'm definitely the same. I love taking action. I love moving forward. But I think also being able to take that step back and figure out, are you doing the right activity to really move yourself forward right now? Are you wasting time? I mean, I remember when I first started, I spent 
you know, literally hours designing my own posters, you know, sending them out in China. And honestly, if you'd seen them as if a child has attempted to use Photoshop, it was just, just absolutely horrendous. It gives me chills thinking that anyone even turned up, uh, let alone, you know, half the audience were just speaking Chinese and I was doing the English talk. It was quite funny. But yeah, when we look into you know, those sorts of situations and for anyone listening, it's figuring out how do you really create that balance of not only taking that deliberate action, but also giving yourself that space. And, and there's a habit that I, that I got off Keith Cunningham called thinking time. And it's, it's such a cool concept that I apply on a weekly basis that I think is so, so powerful. And it's one of the ways that I've really transformed my business. And that is you have an hour of time. And you spend 45 minutes just thinking about one question. And one of the questions that I started with that really changed my business was, what is a three out of five star experience for, for my clients? What would be a five out of five? And then I thought, what would be a seven out of 10? Uh, sorry, a seven out of five experience and a 10 out of five experience. And by doing that and actually listing what would have to happen, it just made me think in a completely different way about how to serve the the people that I work with. And I'm thinking so much more long term because I have that space to really think about it. So after those 45 minutes, you then spend 15 minutes looking at what you've got, seeing if there's any golden nuggets to really go off and do. And I think being able to schedule that time in is so, so, so important so that you give yourself that space. You're not just go, 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 because it's easy to fill up your calendar, but ultimately you've got something on a weekly basis that actually gives you the space to really work on the longer term goals of your business. What are some other, um, well, tell us what, what, what's your business? Sure. So I work with uh, overwhelmed entrepreneurs who want to become more efficient and ultimately uh, boost their business success uh, whilst enjoying the process. So my business model has yeah, expanded over the years when I've learned to yeah, let go of control. I used to do all the coaching myself, but now I actually can trust trainers uh, to do the same thing. And uh, for me, it's, it's constantly evolving to see how I can serve people uh, at a higher level. How can, okay, so, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs in the health space or otherwise. Um, What are some big tips you can give to coaches out there that might just be getting started, whether they're a health coach or a mindset coach and they, you know, they're trying to get their coaching business together, you know, aside from a website and some of the classic things, either mindset or things to think about, uh, how can we encourage the newbies coming in here uh, who are launching their new businesses? Sure. I think one of the, one of the most important things that um, is important to understand is to build depth, not width. And the reason why I say this is that when I first started out in coaching, I remember having literally a multimillionaire mentor who gave me the worst advice I could have ever had at that time. And, and the reason why I say that is that we all need different advice at different times on our journey as entrepreneurs, especially as coaches starting out. And I think that it's so easy to get overwhelmed attempting to build funnels, build websites, attempting to build a list, write a book, grab a niche. But the, the challenge is that what do you do at different stages in your business? And I think that that's a, a real challenge for a lot of people. And the reason that I say build depth, not width, is that if you can go deep with a few people and serve them at a really high level and and get some high ticket clients, that will do wonders for your business compared to attempting to serve thousands of people with an online program or attempting to write a book and hopefully selling it to the masses. I think that one of the best pieces of advice I can give is building from the top to the bottom. What I mean by that is serving a few clients at a really high level. 
And then funneling, expanding your business online, investing in online programs and other things to really be able to get you going. In your life, what were one or two, something maybe that stands out, that was a really seemingly crappy thing that turned out to be a blessing? Okay, well, the... I can go you know, to, to one extreme and, and obviously losing my, losing my dad to suicide was probably the one of the most crappiest thing that's, that's, uh, yeah, I, I've ever experienced. But the, the reason why I, I share that is that obviously it's, it's an extreme example. He's my best friend. Um, I saw him the day before. You know, just I, I couldn't even believe that that happened. But being able to see the lives that I've saved, like I've, I've saved people who are suicidal, that are entrepreneurs, that, to think of the impact that I've had, the experiences that I've had, you know, doing like a TED talk in Chinese, I would have never done that, uh, had that experience not have happened because it helped me grow in ways that I couldn't even fathom because of the thirst I had to understand what happened, but also completely pivot the direction of my life. And I think that when I look into that and I look at what I was originally doing as an entrepreneur, I was in it to make a ton of money, to be able to give back. And I I see this time and time again, and I certainly had it, which is the, when I have this, then I will addiction. And for me at the time, it was when I have success, then I'll start inspiring people. When I have success, then I'll look after my health. Then I'll focus on relationships. And I see it time and time again that we feel there's this prerequisite that we have to do in order to achieve something else. And I really think that that scenario happening to, to me in that situation enabled me to understand that and really leapfrog in my understanding of what it is that we do as humans and entrepreneurs to really have a, have a much, much bigger impact uh, on, a, on a global scale. What does your day look like? Like if you designed your ideal day and you don't have 500,000 meetings and you're not traveling, what, what do you choose to do? How does your day look like from waking up until sunset? Sure. So uh, whether, whether I class it as, as, a, as a work day or, or a chilled out day, I, I think it varies. But ultimately for me, I've uh, actually been playing around with a new routine. I used to be a, a, all about the 5 a.m. club, but I was, I was having trouble with my sleep, surprisingly being in one place. Like you'd, you'd think I'd struggle traveling, never an issue, but being in one place, suddenly I've got problems with my sleeping. And I, I started to uh, play around looking into um, the, like the sleep doctors and recommendations. I ended up getting up now at 6 a.m., which is very, very different. I feel like I'm a little bit lazy doing that. But that said, I'm actually enjoying the process. So I get up at six and now I've changed my routine in that I do um, conditioning. I think of what I'm grateful for. I do some stretching, a little bit of yoga in the morning, as well as the usual things like visualization and imagining what I want to create uh, in my future. And then I actually start work at 6.30 as a, as an early morning bird, right? So I tend to work from about 6.30 till 8 a.m. And then my wife will wake up <laughs> and then I'll go back into bed, give her a cuddle, chill out for an hour. And then, uh, yeah, I restart work at nine. I do some client calls, the usual sort of things. I chill out for lunch and then finish around four or five. Similar to yourself, I like interviewing people um, on podcasts, whether I'm doing an interview or being interviewed, as well as 
doing client calls or talking to trainers and making sure uh, everything's okay with, with who they're working with. And then in the evenings, something that I'm playing around with now is actually painting. Now, I've never been a painter, Al, but I've, I bought this thing called Paint by Numbers and I've been attempting to draw this ship. And I've got to be honest, I've spent <laughs> hours and it still looks horrendous. Like, I, I don't even know how my other half is practically finished. I, well, I, this, I, it, this, is, this is in line with your past history of drawing a horrible... <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, clearly design is not a a strength of mine yet. Time and time again, I'm I'm here attempting to do it. But that said, my outcome really isn't to design something amazing. It's just to chill out, relax and and to to just have time to chill and do something different. Because I think that so often we're constantly looking at screens as opposed to binge watching Netflix, which I've totally done, uh, or being able to do, do something different. I, I think that just being able to, to do that has been lovely. And then I tend to read in the evening. I, I do a bit of journaling. I chill out, relax. And for me, that, that works out really, really well as a routine that, that works for me at the moment. Tell us a couple of stories that stand out of people you've coached. Um, obviously, there's the severe ones where you had to talk some people off a, you know, literal edge there. Uh, but aside from that, what are some of the biggest, like, you know, 180 turnarounds you've seen and in, in clients you've coached? And if you could express maybe what that hiccup was that you were able to identify to have them move forward, that'd be great. Sure. So an example was a lady that I worked with called uh, Anna, and I met her at an event out in China. And it was it was actually an event by one of my friends called the Suited Monk, a really, really cool dude. And we were we were listening and she turned to me and she said, you know, Ben, I'm you know, completely lost. I'm, I'm actually you know, suicidal and I'm running my business. And I said, okay, well, tell me a little bit more about that. She says, I'm, I'm 34 and a half, but I can't see myself living past 35. And I said, okay, great. So now we've got a timeline. All right, bit of pressure. <laughs> and the, the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is it's, it's, it's such a, a great example of what it's like to have the highs and lows as an entrepreneur, which I think a lot of people can relate to. And why I say that is that for her, she was in the fashion industry and she was creating all these amazing costumes, flying to New York, going through the trade shows, doing amazing things. And then she'd come back and just struggle for two weeks, eating McDonald's, not even leave the house and feel awful. And it was these stages of feeling great and then kind of burning out. And it's these oscillations that I actually see a lot of entrepreneurs experiencing where we feel really motivated for a period of time. And then we just kind of go downhill and, we, we, we just don't know what we're doing. We have that burnout. We procrastinate and we aren't as focused. So ultimately, you know, our aim was yeah, number one to obviously get over the, the suicide ideation, but ultimately to create a smoother transition with regards to what she what she's doing. So one of the one of the techniques that I think is really, really powerful that, that I tend to do with clients is getting them to teach me how to go downhill. And the reason why I say this is that very often there are different things that we do that lead us on a downward spiral. And for her, it was getting overwhelmed and stressed out. She'd then order a McDonald's. She'd then feel shit about herself. And then she would just pretty much go downhill from there. And and being able to be much more consciously aware, and obviously you're incredibly health aware, as is many people on this podcast, and understanding what that does to our body and how it can make us feel was one of the first steps in understanding how do you maintain your momentum as an entrepreneur. So for us, it was figuring out how do we do something a little bit different or unique to overcome that. So as a, as a creative designer, she ended up creating this little box 
with different pills, not pills to take, but within each pill was a little note of something that she had to do, be it have a freezing cold shower to change her state, be it order a really healthy smoothie online or do something that when she was feeling down, she could do immediately that would help avoid a downward spiral and her going downhill. Now, what was beautiful is that within the six months, she started to overcome that overwhelm and stress. But she also, a few months later, ended up quitting her day job and actually taking her business full time. And and what's amazing is that she's messaged me when she's been out in Bali. We had dinner uh, out in the UK when she came came to visit. And I think being able to see that complete transformation of that 180 of someone who is so overwhelmed and stressed going through these crazy uh, oscillations of, of high stress versus you know, anxiety, overwhelm, and not really sure, sure what to do is amazing when they're on a beach, they're chilling out in Bali and actually uh, taking their life to a completely different level. Yeah, that's lovely. So nice. And yeah, and that's such a self-sabotage thing. We do that. You know, you got to recognize the patterns. It's like with her, it started with like, she's going to go get the McDonald's. It's like right there, get yourself, like go make a burger, right? Or go order a, a another healthier one from somewhere else or, you know, like some kind of change to that. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What are some other thoughts that come up around this topic of helping entrepreneurs that maybe we haven't covered or that uh, you feel is important for our audience to know? Sure. I think that what is what is incredibly important uh, for entrepreneurs is to know that you're not alone. I think it's really easy to isolate ourselves and think we're the only people going uh, through this scenario. And I, I see a lot of people who are entrepreneurs who are very optimistic, which you have to be. But the challenge is when you're optimistic all the time, you don't have anyone to support you. And something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are lacking are having a network of other entrepreneurs or people they can connect with when they're having a bad day. And the reason why I say this is that having an open, vulnerable conversation with someone, and you know, I, I have one recently, I was like, hey, you know, things are going great, but you know, my business out in China, you know, something's gone wrong, my, they blocked my account, all these things that you obviously can't plan for. And suddenly you've got challenges to deal with. And I think that being able to share that with other people and have that connection is incredibly important, especially when you're top of an organization, being able to have the people around you in the right place to be able to support you is incredibly beneficial so that you're not bottling everything up and attempting to deal with everything yourself. Well, and you know, and the scary thing about entrepreneurship is there it's all you and there are no benchmarks like in any other industry. You get a full-time job as a lawyer, you know what it takes to become a partner, da-da-da, and up the trajectory you go. There are no benchmarks. You have to make your own. There are some, right? You might have sales benchmarks, et cetera. But in terms of like, what do I do first? What do I do next? What do I do last? That's all up in the air for every single business, right? So I think that that uh, is, is very stressful for a lot of people. And, you know, piecemealing it, taking it one by one, uh, again, feeling like you don't have to do everything at once. But again, I think that that's hard because a lot of us are conditioned or if you came from the corporate world or from a job where, you know, the tasks are given to you, you know what to do and you execute and you know that paycheck's coming out. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's a totally different ballgame. So, um, you know, the, the lack of benchmarks can be pretty frightening. Oh, yeah, most certainly. And I think that in every industry, benchmarks are constantly changing as well, right? When people are evolving. And and I think that being able to have uh, someone who's been there and done that and who's actually been there and done that is important. I think there's, because of social media, it's, it's often incredibly challenging to be able to 
uh, see the the wood through the trees and, and being able to actually know who to trust. And, you know, when we were chatting, uh, when, when I had you on my podcast, we were speaking about how there are so many different people who are doctors. There are so many people that are an authority, they're an expert, but they really don't know what they're doing. And I think that time and time again, the biggest challenge that entrepreneurs face is not about, uh, you know, can you get information, but it's about what information can you listen to that is actually the right information for you right now. Yeah. And, you know, I saw something posted the other day, I forgot who posted it, but I, I was like, oh, that's a good one, which is don't take advice from mofos who have never accomplished anything in their life. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Whatever area you're in, but there's got to be some level of something that you feel like, oh, they, they, they you know, they've accomplished something. And I think there's a lot of people out there and you got to start somewhere. Um, but, you know, again, I think, um, especially when it comes to a, a particular business or a particular arena, you might want to look for people who have accomplished something in that arena or who have some level of personal experience. And I think like when we talked on your show, I think that's the problem with doctors because a lot of them, at least with the hypothyroidism thing, yeah, they're looking at wrong tests and outdated stuff and they're just uninformed, but they also really don't have the experience, you know? Um, and that's why the best-selling authors on thyroid are written by patients, right? So, so getting someone who's experienced it, um, looking at someone and saying like, well, what are their accomplishments, even if they're not classic ones, right? But accomplishments in your mind. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I think that accomplishments is one thing, whether they've been in your position and have actually overcome it. And, and also, I, I, I was interviewing another guy, and I think this is yeah, brilliant, and I don't do it enough, is you know, speaking to past clients of people who you're looking wow. to work with, right? And actually reaching out to them and say, hey, what is your experience actually like with this person? I think that in, in the world we're in today, it's so easy for anyone to put up anything on their website and uh, yep. have, a, have a call where they can you know, be confident. But ultimately, when you're building a business, you want to make sure that all the resources that you have, energy, time and money are being put in a direction that really helps you move forward. And I think that for, for many business owners, they get tripped up attempting to focus their activity on something that doesn't really add to the growth of their business and gets them towards where they need to be long-term. Instead, it's, you know, the nitty gritty doing all these things that may not really help uh, them move forward. What are you most looking forward to other than, you know, uh, general camaraderie with the public and when life gets back to quote normal, what are you most excited about either in your business or something, you know, a trip you're willing to take, or what are you looking forward when this is all kind of said and done? We're like, ah, we can live again. So well, right now I'm looking forward to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Christmas. I think being able to, to chill out is important and I really enjoy evaluating my year and reflecting. And it's one of my favorite times just to be able to look at you know, the weekly wins or my magic moments and look into you know, what, what have I really done this year? And I think that it's so easy for us as entrepreneurs to look back and think, you know, have I done anything? Have I really accomplished anything? And being able to spend some time really reflecting is, is one of the things that I, I really enjoy because it helps ground me and you know, set up a plan to you know, really enjoy uh, the years to come. And uh, something that I am enjoy- looking forward to is being able to, to obviously speak on stage again. I definitely miss that. It's, uh, it's got to be honest, Al, be, being able to do you know, Zoom meetings, you know, you've got people on the screen, it's just not the same. And you have a bit of lag. There's like a, you know, a one, two, three second lag between laughs and you're attempting to keep people engaged. Probably doesn't have the same impact as when you're on stage. Right, right. Tell us how we can, well, first of all, you have a podcast, um, but let us know how to, we'll put everything in the show notes to connect with you. 
how can we benefit from more of you, either your podcast or also coaching with you? Sure. So people can you know, check out the podcast. I, I have some pretty cool guests, uh, obviously you being one of them. Uh, and that's the Entrepreneur Lifestyle with Ben Ivey. And then with regards to yeah, programs that, that we have available and, and free resources, you can go to uh, Ben and then hyphen Ivy, I-V-E-Y.com. I'm not a plant. And uh, ultimately, you can check out everything on there and feel free to connect with me on my social media platforms. If you type in my name, I'll come up. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything you'd like to leave with our audience? Uh, I think the the only thing I'd like to leave is remember that everything is on the way and nothing is in the way. I think it's easy to get ourselves caught up in, in the challenges that we're facing right now, but knowing that we're all heading in the right direction is important and that progress is important to acknowledge that we're making as entrepreneurs. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us and everyone else. We will see you next week. Looking for a primal approved protein supplement? Primal Kitchen Primal Fuel is formulated with a full amino acid profile of whey protein isolate to support lean muscle mass. Available in creamy vanilla coconut and velvety decadent chocolate coconut, this protein powder is sweetened with monk fruit, cocoa powder, and vanilla extract. Stir Primal Kitchen Primal Fuel into coffee, shake it into a smoothie, add a scoop to recipes. This irresistible whey protein powder is a versatile addition to your kitchen. Keto and paleo-friendly and gluten-free, and with 10 grams of protein and only 1 gram of sugar in every serving, Primal Fuel makes supplementing your routine a cinch. Stock up today and get 20% off your order with the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT. PRIMALBLUEPRINT.